again. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight uh, to hear from you, to hear from your word and to hear some something for us. Lord, we believe that you can speak to us. Uh, though we might not see you or sense you, we can hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit that you would be among us tonight and help us. Lord, we've all got our own story we're walking out. I pray that for each individual in this room, uh, we feel like you see us tonight and that you care for us and that you have a plan for us. Lord, that is my prayer for these young people tonight. And just ask that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, if you aren't sure who the random guy at the front of the room is, my name is Tanner. Uh, many of you know me, and I'm super happy about that. I was just thinking as we were doing worship that uh, this is uh, the year that the kids who were in eighth grade when I first became a youth pastor here at High Plains are the seniors. So, Super grateful that all of you guys are here, but especially that I didn't chase off those of you who are later in years and that you made your way into Dan's room and you're like, okay, thankfully Dan is here. Because it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's comparable to like hearing that you're going into surgery and your surgeon, this is like their first year of doing open heart surgery or whatever. It's kind of like a serious job and it's not always great when it's somebody new at the job, but just grateful to see the faces around the room. Those of you who've been coming to church, for years and years now, and I've got to see grow up and become uh, young men and young women who follow God and are still following God today. It makes me super proud, super happy. So uh, happy that you're all here, but older kids especially happier here. So tonight, uh, I want to read and talk about for just a moment John 10.10. If you've got your Bibles, you can open it. It's going to be on the screen as well. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we'll talk about this as we go through the night, but I want to begin by telling you something about myself. I am a person who loves the season of fall, okay? Love fall. Does anybody else like the season fall? Uh, what, what are your guys' reasons for liking fall? I want to hear them. Joe, what's yours? Cool weather, that's up there on the list for sure. Anybody else, what do you like about fall? Eben. So we got some colorful foliage around. Yes, the foliage is the great thing about fall. Yes. Pumpkin spice. I knew that was going to come out. Yeah, it's not necessarily one of my favorite parts. Cameron. All the bugs die. Yes, bugs are terrible. I love fall, and uh, all of those reasons are good reasons for me as well. I'm, I'm a cold weather person, okay? I sweat a lot. It's not something that I share with a lot of people, but I do. And so cool weather is, I'm all about it. What's that? <laughs> I know. It was a nervous way to outlet my nervousness, okay? So, um, I love fall for lots and lots of reasons. One of the reasons, probably the main reason actually, is that I love food, okay? And there's something about food in the fall time where it just like steps up a level from summertime, okay? Because Thanksgiving is coming, right? Baked good, warm, spicy baked goods and things like that. I love so stuff like that, okay? Um, and food, food is good, right? 
Food, food fills you up, makes you feel happy. That's why I love Thanksgiving is because it's a time where I'm like, I know for a fact on Thanksgiving Day, um, I'm going to eat so much that it's going to basically put me into a food coma. And I just like, I know that's coming in like a, a month and a half or so or however long. And I'm just like, I look forward to that as soon as the weather starts to cool down. So I love food. I love it so much. And there's just nothing better than that full feeling, right? You guys are at a stage of life. Here's, here's something I need you to realize. You're at a stage of life where you can eat all you want, put yourself in a coma, and you can actually take a nap. Take advantage of that, okay? Because I, I have just entered into the season of life where I no longer can just take a nap whenever I want, okay? I got responsibilities and stuff, so I can't do that, and I miss those days. I want to put myself into a food coma, but I can't really do that. It would be an irresponsible move, okay? Feeling that fullness is good, and what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is the fact that our souls have an appetite just like our body does, okay? Our souls have an emptiness, and until filled with something adequate, we'll still feel empty. And so food kind of fulfills the analogy there, but you always get hungry again, like at like 7 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day after you've taken your nap. I, I go for round two, right? Some people do. Hunger for our bodies, it wears off. We, we fill ourselves up, but it wears off and we have to eat again. And so in our, in our spiritual life, in our souls, there's that same type of appetite. And until there's something that, that takes care of that hunger fully, we'll still be searching for something to fill us up, give us that sense of fullness in our hearts, in our soul, deep down, where you have this desire to be satisfied. Every single person on the planet has that gaping hole. You hear it in all sorts of ways, but it really is just an emptiness that everybody feels. And until it's filled with something adequate, we'll always feel a hunger. And a hunger that I believe is a hunger for God. Lots of people think of it in different ways. People think that they can fill that appetite with other things, enough money, the right relationship, the right job, making sure I have uh, the right things in my life that make it look like I have my life put together. There's all sorts of things that people try to satisfy that soul hunger with, but they never quite do the trick. And so we've got to figure out what is going to make us truly full. And I think that's what John 10.10, 10, it, it has to do with what we're talking about. Okay, Jesus is the one who's talking here, and he, he gives us this thought. He says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. He's, he's talking about having that hunger within us satisfied, and he's saying he is the one who came to give us that feeling of fullness, to fill up our soul's belly, if you could, if I can put it that way. Does that make sense? So Jesus is the one. He's the only one who can satisfy that hunger that we've got. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, actually, to be exact, I came upon this exercise that I did, I think, sometime in junior high or high school. You guys can let me know if you've done it before. I'm going to explain what this exercise is, though. It's called the mountain range exercise, okay? Um, what it is, is an exercise which helps us make sense of our life. And what you do is you have a timeline that goes across your life. So you have a timeline that goes from when you were zero, when before you were born, to the age that you are today. And what you do is you mark on this graph, it's probably up on the screen, you mark on it the most joyful, fulfilling, happy moments of your life, 
And then you also mark on it all of the worst, the most painful, the most sorrowful, the worst moments of your life as well. And mark, it, depending on how great a moment it was, you put it up higher. Depending on how sad a moment was, you put it down lower. And then what you do is you connect those dots and it ends up looking like a mountain range, okay? Here's mine. Here's what mine looks like, okay? Lots of ups, lots of downs. And this is just, probably took 30 minutes to do this and just thought about these events in my life, the ones that hurt the most, the ones that were the most uh, satisfying, the most fulfilling, the most amazing moments in my life. And so, like I said, this is help, meant to help us understand our lives a little bit better. So something that I noticed, a couple things that I noticed when I did it for myself was there are 13 dots up on top, 13 joyful moments, good moments, great moments, times when I was feeling amazing, feeling full, you could say, versus 10 down below in the bad experiences, the worst experiences in my life, the hardest things I've, I've had to walk through. So that was a lesson in and of itself. It's like not quite, but just about 50-50, right? I've lived 28 years, and I thought about the most formational moments in my life, and just about half of them were good, just about half of them were bad, and some really bad, some really good good, right? Something that we can learn from that. These all helped to form me, though. And as I thought about them, I noticed a pattern. So the ones up top, the good moments, the joyful moments, they were all times in my life where I, I had in those moments and probably didn't need God, but I felt full in those moments, okay? God was a part of my life basically the whole timeline of my life. I gave my life to Jesus when I was very, pretty young, when I was in elementary school, and so I knew God this whole time, but most of the moments that are up on the top, it wasn't like God did something. Some of them are, but most of them it was achievements, when things went well, when good things happened to me or my family or my friends, when good things were happening, and I felt this full feeling, right? And then I looked at the bottom ones, and it was not very fun. It was fun to, like, think about all the high ones. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Life has been really good. And then I thought, oh, man, I got 10 bad moments to go through. And I thought about my bad moments. And like I said, I've followed Jesus for most of my life. And many of those moments, many of those deep valleys, you could call them peaks and valleys, right? Many of those valleys in the moments, in those times of my life, I didn't quite feel as full as I'd like to say I did. Does that make sense? We know we're supposed to be followers of Jesus. We have hope, all this stuff. But I, for many of them, I, I felt empty. I felt that emptiness. I felt like, why do I feel this way? I feel like totally like I can't imagine being at a lower spot in some of them, right? And so it made me think, how am I supposed to, as a Christian, get through those deep valleys, those hard times of life, the sorrowful times, the lowest points of our life? How are we supposed to get through them if that's honestly how we feel in our heart most of the time? Because Jesus comes and he says, I've come to give you life to the full, right? I believe Jesus. I think he's telling the truth. I think that's honestly something that he is bringing to us. So I, I, I've thought about what is it going to help me feel fullness in those times? And so that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I would title my message tonight, Hope Where There Was None. See, Jesus promises us fullness of life. He, it's his purpose for coming. That's what he says in John 10.10. 10. But even as a Christian, you're probably going to find yourself in a valley because I bet if you did this exercise, it'd be about 50-50 for you as well. There's good times in your life, but there's been bad times in your lives as well. 
Even as Christians, we're going to find ourselves in valleys. Even as Christians, you're going to find yourself feeling a hunger for something more. Feeling like this isn't, this can't be all that there is to life. And I want to help you guys when you feel empty to know what to do and to know how to look at it. Okay, so tonight... uh, I just want to, I want to provide you with something. I think I want, I want to provide you with what Jesus, his, his idea for fullness for you is in these times of life where it's in the valley, in the dark, when you're depressed, when you're sad, when things are just not good and you feel that emptiness in your heart. So I have three truths to talk to you about tonight, and we'll look at some scriptures as we go. First truth is this, you're going to feel empty in life, and God knows that. You're going to feel empty in life, and God knows that. If you haven't before, I would love for you guys to do something for me, and that's go and read the book of Job, okay? Maybe not the whole thing, a little sad, okay? But read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 42. I promise you it will take you less than four minutes to read those three chapters, okay? If you don't know Job's life, let me just explain it to you very quickly, First two chapters of Job, it explains that Job is a man who has a good relationship with God. He listens to God. He follows after God. And Job actually has been blessed because he's lived life that way. We get taught stuff like that, right? That if we do things God's way, that we'll be blessed and life will go well. That's something that the Bible talks about. Early on in the Bible, especially in the, in the first few books, it talks a lot about if you will follow my law, if you will listen to what I have to say, if you will live life how I ask you to, life will go well. Well, that was Job. Job's case. And then there's this crazy interaction that happens in the story of Job where in the heavenly realms, God and all of his, his board, basically, the people who run everything in the world, are talking about Job. And Job comes up as somebody who, uh, our enemy, Satan, wants to go and test. And so God gives him access to testing Job by taking all the things that Job had gained in life and taking them away. He took away Job's children, his wealth, and even Job's physical health, okay? And the most amazing thing about Job is this, is that the reason that I want you to read chapters one and two is that's when all the bad stuff happens, Job decides, even if, I, even if you take everything away from me, God, I'm still going to follow you, which is amazing in and of itself. But then for 40 chapters, Job's buddies come along and they give him a whole bunch of advice. Oh, Job, you shouldn't have done this. This is all this stuff. But then the last chapter is when God and Job have a conversation. And Job ends at the, all, at the end of all of this, he, he still is following God. You see, Job went through a deep, deep valley, lost everything good in his life, and yet he chose to day by day, even through pain, even through what you could call, like, he, he lashes out at God, he talks to God, like, whoa, like, Job, some of the things he says is, like, why did God even let me survive past birth? I, I wish I, he wouldn't have, because I wouldn't be where I'm at today if he didn't let me do that. Job's in a dark place, but Job walks <laughs> forward, takes another step. He just holds on to his faith in Jesus with all he's got, and he makes it to a place where in chapter 42, um, because he's walked faithfully with God, because he's just obeyed, because he's just trusted that God had a plan and that God would do something with all this, God rewards Job, and what God does is he doubles everything that Job had. 
The story of Job is amazing for so many reasons, so many things we could learn from it. But this is what I would like us to take from it. So sometimes, even if you know God, your circumstances will leave you utterly broken, in a dark place, in a valley, depressed, and there's numerous reasons how that can happen. Sometimes it's our enemy, like in Job's case, taking things from us. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. We get ourselves in stupid situations where we get ourselves in a valley. Some of you, if you do this extra, the mountain range exercise, you'll find out I'm the one who got myself in that deep, dark valley. I did something stupid. That's another way. And then the, the other way is just like there's not even really a conversation worth having. It just happened. There's just a mystery about living in our world. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. It's how it works. And so what we need to realize, the truth that we need to understand is that you're going to have dark, empty times in your life, and God knows it, okay? God knows that. If we trust in God, we can be like Job, and we can just walk forward day by day holding on to our faith, even if we have that empty feeling in us. And the point, the truths will get more hopeful as we go, okay, I promise. Truth number two is this. God's will is to use our valleys for redemption. In Genesis, it tells the story of Joseph. Anybody know Joseph's story? Not Joseph, Jesus's father, but Joseph from the Old Testament. Joseph, man, he goes through some stuff too, doesn't he? Joseph is the favorite of all of his brothers. He's the youngest, but he is the favorite, and older brothers don't tend to like it when their youngest brother is the favorite. So like you do, his older brothers sold him into slavery, send him off to a far country. They tell his dad that he got killed by a beast, a lion or something like that. They bring back his fancy coat with blood on it and they say, sorry pops, Joseph's gone, you know. Joseph, <laughs> he, he has a hard life. He goes through slavery, but he does the same thing as Job. He decides, I'm just going to follow after God. I'm going to listen for God. I'm going to step into places where I know God wants me to go. Even though I'm in a bad scenario, I'm going to just keep going forward. I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And what it says in Genesis 50:20 is that at the end of this whole story, what ends up happening is that Joseph ends up as a ruler over the area he was sold into slavery as, okay? And his area has been blessed because of him and because God has blessed this area and they have amassed a whole bunch of crops. Then Joseph's poor brothers, uh, they live in a land where there's a famine. So they're forced to go to where Joseph is, a ruler. They don't know he is the ruler there. And they basically have to beg for food, and Joseph goes through this whole process. It's kind of funny if you read, go and read it. I'd encourage you to go read it if you haven't. But he, he saves his family from starvation. Literally, they were going to starve. They had no crops. They had no way to make food for their families. But he saves his family from starvation simply because he went each and every day and he just stepped into the door that God offered him. He just kept following God kept listening for God, kept doing what he knew God wanted him to do. And so what Joseph says at the end of all of this, when he goes, ta-da, I'm your little brother that you sold into slavery, he eventually reveals it to them. And he goes, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. This is the idea that we need to get in our heads, you guys. 
is that when Joseph was in, he was literally in a pit and then sold into slavery, he's not going to be feeling that great when all of his brothers, his closest friends probably, and his family sell him into slavery. He is is literally in a pit and he is emotionally and spiritually in a pit as well. He's in a dark place. And he says, you meant to do all that to me for evil purposes, for your own selfish reasons. You didn't want your little brother to to be the family favorite. You meant it for evil. But look what God has done. God somehow, someway turned this story around so that he could redeem and help his family down the road. So we have to have a longer view of how things are going to work out so hard though in our valleys it's literally it feels like a valley right when you're in a deep valley you can't like see what's up over the other side over this ridge over this ridge it's hard to see our future when we're in those tough times but God if we will just simply walk forward simply take the next step hold on to our faith one more day God's will is to use those bad things use our valleys of life for his redemption to realize that we need help, we need something more, is good. To realize that we're in a bad place and maybe, just maybe, God can help is something that we need to understand. You know, if, if life was just all great for Christians, we probably wouldn't be all that faithful. Because we'd think we can fill our hearts with all these other things. We can fill our hearts with our accomplishments, our money, our relationships, on down the list. You guys know the things that people try to do that with, right? And so to look at our struggles, to look at our dark times of life as maybe this is meant to teach me something that I need to learn is helpful, okay? God wants to redeem your worst times of life. And to do that, you must keep walking with him. If you, if you get impatient and you go, okay, God, I thought you were going to take me this one way in life, and because I'm in a bad place now, I don't trust you anymore. If you do that, you cut off that opportunity for redemption. I hope and pray that you guys won't do that in your lives. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to it with everything you got. Sometimes it's going to feel like you're holding on to the last little strand of it. Keep holding on. God honors that. He honors that type of faith. Truth number three is this. And this is is probably one of the more valuable things that I could ever teach anybody. It's that feeling empty doesn't mean God is not present with you in your valleys. Does that make sense? That if you are in a bad place in life, when you are in your lowest lows, darkest places that you've ever been, and you feel like that fullness that Jesus was talking about, it's like, I I don't feel full, right? That does not mean that God is not present with you. There's something about God's presence that we need to take a hold of, because this is the great paradox of living life with Jesus, that you can be going through the worst times of your life, the worst days of your life, and you can still actually experience his fullness. Because What Jesus came to offer us, you guys, is not life to the full when things are going well. He came to offer us life to the full when things are at their worst. 
when evil seems to have fully won in my situation, in my life, in my story, that is the time that Jesus came to redeem. He came to redeem something for us, right? Jesus went and had to die on a cross, a low, low, if you could ever imagine one, right? A death. He was, he was literally handed death as his deep, dark valley. But he endured it and allowed God to literally redeem all of our stories. And so what that means is it's far-reaching what this means, you guys. And it, I hope that I can make it make sense to you all. That your dark times of life don't have to just be terrible, bad things that leave you. Once you come out of them, you're just like, what was all that for, you know? Have you ever felt like that? Rough times at school, with friends, at home, in our relationships, where you're just like, God, what on earth was that even for? It doesn't even make sense. Why did that happen? There's something about our deep, dark times that we need to get, and it's that God wants to be present with us. Jesus came so that he could win an opportunity to be present with you and I in your darkest valleys, okay? That's what he won. That is, the, that is the benefit of being a Christian because without Jesus, people still go through valleys. People still go through bad times all over our world. They, people who don't know God, they're still gonna go through those tough things. They're still gonna lose their loved ones. They're still going to go through times at work that is hard, in, a, in their homes that is hard, just internally trying to figure out life that are hard, but they don't have any hope in those places. When they're in the deep, dark valley, there's no reason for them to be hopeful because guess what's coming down the line? Unfortunately for me, when I was looking at my mountain range, I realized chances are I'm going to be doing this for a while longer, right? I'm going to be going up sometimes, but I'm going to be going down too. And if I realize that, that is why, this is why people in our world, so, so many people, you guys, go through life and they just don't have hope. Why don't they have hope? Because even in their darkest times, if they get out of them, they're like, well, it's just going to happen again. And I'm going to be empty again, and I'm going to lose again. I'm going to feel in a dark place again. I'm going to be depressed again. I'm going to be overwhelmed again. It's hopeless. There's hope for a Christian, though, in your dark times. Jesus wants to be with you in your dark times, and I don't have nearly enough time to talk about what that would look like, but I just want to read for you guys a psalm that you probably know and talk about it for one minute, and then we'll go into our small groups for the night. So it's Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. That is the benefit of living life with Jesus. That is the thing that I hope that you will take a hold of and realize is that you guys are going to face these dark times. You're going to face these valleys and numerous people who know God their whole life like I do and like you might 
go through life and they hit those deep, dark valleys and they don't realize God wants to be with them. They don't realize God wants to redeem those things. They didn't realize that they were going to get that low in life. They thought everything was going to be great. And what do they do with their faith? They go, that God, he didn't, he didn't stop that from happening to me. Why would I follow him? Why would I trust in him? Here's what we need to realize is that God, he went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross, lived, died, and was resurrected so that he could be with you in your darkest valleys. He wants to guide you. He wants to be with you. And so if you can imagine it, just imagine it in your mind with me. You're, you're, we've all seen like pitch black. You've been outside when it's like dark. You're out in the country or whatever, in the mountains. Scary when it's dark, right? I'm scared of the dark a little bit. Um, it's less scary when you've got somebody pulling you along and they can see and they know where we're going. And you might not feel it all the time, but if you just keep, they might, it might not feel like God's got you by the arm and is dragging you through your dark time. But if you just do all you can to be like Job, just take another step. I might be frustrated. I might be depressed. I might be like reconsidering everything I've thought. But if I just take my next step and I know God wants me to take this step, he's going to honor that. And if I just be like Joseph, and even though things are terrible, things suck, but I just keep going. People have done bad things to me. I've got myself in bad scenarios, but I'm just going to take another step with God. I'm just going to let him guide me through this valley. That is when the most formational things in your life can happen. And I pray that you don't have to go through hard things, you guys. But here's the thing about hard times and with God, okay? If you go through your hard times with God, your relationship will become way stronger than if you just have high points your whole life. If you just have all good moments and you're like, thank you, God, like, you might grow. You might be thankful for God. You might think, yeah, God is good to me and he's been good and you might grow a little bit. But there's something about those dark times and when we choose as his sheep to let him shepherd us through them, our growth, it's, it's exponential. We can't, we can't know what God will do in our hearts if we will do stuff like that, if we will be faithful even through those dark times. So I just want you to bow your heads and we'll pray. And then you can discuss what we talked about in your small groups. Pray with me. Lord, I pray for these young people. Lord, I pray first and foremost that they would be convicted and encouraged in their hearts to make you their shepherd. Lord, that is what is most important, that we have a Savior who has lived, died, and is resurrected and lives today and rules and is powerful and can protect and can guide us through our darkest times. Lord, I pray for those in the room who feel like today they are in a valley. Pray that you would comfort them. Let your presence be felt by them, Lord. Lord, we trust in you and we trust your plan for our lives. We trust that even though we will go through hard times, we'll go through valleys, that you will be with us, Lord. Be faithful to us as we even sometimes just hold on by the last thread, Lord. Lord, I want you to lift up the spirits of these young people so that in their good times too, they walk through their life today in a good time, in a good season, in a peak of their life, that you would still solidify that relationship you have with them, that they would be seeking you in prayer, seeking you in your word, just seeking out your will for their lives, Lord. Meet them there. 
And Lord, I want your help to be felt. I ask that your help would be felt and experienced by these young people, even as they walk and come to you today with some big faith, some with little, some with none, some confused about what it is you're offering. Lord, I pray that the life to the full would be their experience. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, got some questions you can talk about for the last 10 minutes or so. Thank you.